Welcome to the Modern Meinhof Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman, expert in all things Bader Meinhof. This is the only podcast devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Bader Meinhof Group. Um, we talk about left-wing German terrorism of the 1970s um, and other related ephemera. And today we have, um, gosh, I guess you could call it actual breaking news. Um, today is the 8th of April 2010, and yesterday... Um, Verena Becker, who is a 57-year-old former member of the Bader-Meinhof gang, the Red Army faction, was indicted um, on uh, complicity in a murder of uh, German federal prosecutor Siegfried Bubach in um, 1977. And all these years later, 35 years later, she's being charged in complicity of that crime, um, which she's been long suspected of being part of. Um, and I'll read you a little bit about the story about it and my particular thoughts. One of the reasons it's particularly relevant to me is um, almost certainly Verena Becker, um, 40 years ago, tried to kill my mother and tried to kill my father. So you can imagine how uh, my ears perk up when I hear that she's possibly going back to prison. Um, anyway, I'll read you a little bit of the story. We'll talk about it. So it says, said in the paper yesterday, German federal prosecutors said Thursday that they had indicted a former member of the far-left militant group, the Bader-Meinhof gang, for complicity in a murder that took place more than 33 years ago. Verena Becker, 57, was arrested in August in connection with the killing of Chief Federal Prosecutor uh, Siegfried Bubach and two others on April 7, 1977, during the bloody era which became known as the German Autumn. Quote, she has been charged with complicity in the murder of Federal Prosecutor Bubach and his companions Goebel and Verster, said Frank Valenta, a spokesman. The case has now been passed to the regional court in the western city of Stuttgart, Valenta added. He declined to give further details of the charges against her. Uh, she was released in December as the Federal Court of Justice saw no reason to keep her detained, although she remained a suspect. At the time of her arrest, prosecutors said there was no suspicion that the accused fired the deadly shots, but she was, however, suspected of an active role in preparing and carrying out the attack. After more than three decades, her case was reopened in April 2008, when investigators used the latest forensic technology to examine a letter that had claimed responsibility for the murders. Becker's DNA was found on the letters, led, uh, leading investigators to raid her house um, where they secured other incriminating evidence. She was sentenced to life imprisonment in December 77 for taking part in at least six assassination attempts claimed by the group, otherwise known as the Red Army Faction. But in 1989, she was pardoned and released. Um, the Bader-Meinhof gang was named after its founders, Ulrike, or Andreas Bader and Ulrike Meinhof. Um, once again, they get, as usual, they get, they get those facts kind of wrong, um, which mounted a violent campaign against what it considered the oppressive capitalist state of West Germany from 1977 to 82. Um, and of course, it went on much longer than 82. It targeted the German elite and U.S. military bases in Germany and is suspected of killing 34 people. The group officially disbanded in 1998. So who was Verena Becker, who, or who is she? Well, she was a student. And in around 1970-71, she joined a nascent um, German terrorist organization called the June 2nd Movement. And this 
group was named after the day in 1967, um, June 2nd, when there was a riot that took place in Berlin. Um, students were protesting um, the Shah of Iran coming to town and being fated by the mayor and the government. And at this riot, um, the police were especially brutal and a young, um, a young pacifist student attending his first real protest, um, his name was Benno Onazorg, was shot and killed by, uh, by uh, a policeman. Um, which in itself is is extremely controversial, but anyway, uh, Onazorg became basically a martyr um, to the point that that act, an actual terrorist group, the June Second Movement, was named after him. And the June Second Movement was based mostly around Berlin. And in the very early '70s, they let off a lot, or they placed a lot of bombs. Interestingly, um, most of them, or a lot of them, were placed. Um, in the American sector where people like my dad, who was the head of the U.S. Army Bomb Disposal Unit, was able to find them and, um, and defuse them, um, including a bomb that, that was left at the um, officers club where my mother was having lunch, um, along with a lot of other officers' wives, and it was noticed and my dad rushed in and him and his crew defused it. Uh, another bomb was left off at Templehof Airport at the, uh, bomb was placed at the foot of um, C-47 that was on display. That's one of the planes that was used in the Berlin airlift. And another bomb was inside the wheel well where the wheel goes up into the plane. And that one was set off to, or that one was set to go off earlier than the one down below, which was the obvious and visible one. Clearly the second bomb was designed to kill the people that were working on the first one. Um, so Verena Becker was a part of this group. She almost certainly was one of the people who wanted to kill my mother and my father. Um, anyway, she also did succeed, or her group did succeed, in killing an elderly boat builder at the British Yacht Club. I think it was in Wannsee in Berlin. Um, they left a bomb, and I'm not sure if they intended to kill him, but kill him they did. And um, they claimed this bombing was in uh, support of the provisional IRA in um, active in Northern Ireland at the time, and um, she was convicted of that murder in uh, 1974, and she was sentenced to um, prison. Um, but in 1975, the movement June 2 uh, kidnapped the CDU, which is the Conservative Party candidate for the mayor of Berlin. His name was Peter Lorenz. Um, they kidnapped him. They basically held him for in exchange for the release of several prisoners and they pointedly asked for prisoner or to or prisoners that uh, were not Bader Meinhof prisoners or at least not major Bader Meinhof prisoners um, to be released and Becker was one of the people that was released she was allowed to fly to the country of her choice and she chose um, terrorist supporting Yemen so she flew into Yemen in 1975 they released Lorenz um, in retrospect this was a awful precedent because what they basically said was, if, we, if uh, you can, you can uh, negotiate your way out of getting your leadership out of prison, you can kidnap somebody and they'll come out of prison. And almost all of these people that were released later went back into terrorism, including Becker, who became a murderer again after this. Um, and it also convinced the um, Red Army faction that, hey, they can do their own actions. So it led to... Um, later on that year, 
um, a bunch of members of the Red Army faction to try and take over the Stockholm embassy um, in, in, an, in an effort to get the Bader-Meinhof leadership released from prison, um, which led to the deaths of, I think, three or four people, and it was just an, a, an awful tragedy. Um, so anyway, Becker went to Yemen, and she worked her way back into the underground into Germany and joined up with the so-called second generation of the Red Army faction, which was being led spiritually and a lot directly by the Bader-Meinhof leaders in prison, but it was also being led by one of their lawyers, uh, Siegfried Hogg, uh, who was sort of the go-between and the secret leader of the second generation. And, and as such, she participated in many actions, including um, the murder uh, in, I think it was April of 77, of Siegfried Bubach. Now, it's important to realize this, this guy was like, he was essentially the equivalent of the attorney general of, of Germany. He would be like Eric Holder would be in the U.S. This was, a, this was a very big deal in Germany. And like with every other murder um, or every other uh, action that, that the Red Army faction did, they would immediately take credit for this by sending out communiques and letters because that was part of their philosophy. It's what they learned from from Carlos Margiela's mini manual of the urban guerrilla. You got to get your word out to the population that is going to support you and they need to learn why you did what you did. Well, those documents, what they held on to all these many years, turns out they didn't know much about DNA back in 1977, but they know a lot about it now. And of course, uh, recently they've been able to discover that her DNA was in fact on that letter. Um, and this is a crime she's always been suspected of, but never they, they can't they have never really been to, been able to directly trace her to taking credit for this crime and and that's what they're doing right now so you know on one level in germany germany's kind of come a long way since that era it it so profoundly affected the country in the in the mid 1970s it was clearly the equivalent of a 9-11 and the profound effect that had on america in um over the last decade and they've definitely come to terms with it a lot over the last 15 years to the point that that most of these former people have moved on with their life. They're not terrorists anymore. Most of them are either died in prison or have served their crime. And I'd be willing to bet there's going to be a lot of people who are just saying, listen, just move on. It's time to forget about this. I, of course, don't think that. I think that um, you've committed a crime and you should absolutely paid the price and uh, for that. And it's not just because this woman tried to kill my parents. It's because just because you've sort of moved on in a philosophical way doesn't mean you need to excuse the crimes of the past. Um, and I think she should be brought to justice for this. If she's led a clean life and she hasn't been involved in anything clearly since 1977, I think that should obviously account for a lot when they sentence her. Um, but I certainly don't think that we should forget about um, these crimes. That's kind of what happened in the Nazi era. A lot of these, there was a big movement early just to move on and forget about it, and later there tends to be a lot of regret when you start thinking, oh, we, we kind of just excused that. We wanted to move on. We felt this powerful desire to move on, and what we ended up doing was excusing murderers, and that's never a good thing good path to go down. Um, so anyway, I thought uh, the listeners of my podcast might be interested to know that there was actual breaking news 
related both to my personal history and to the Bader-Meinhof group. Um, hope you enjoyed hearing about that. Um, as always, if you have anything you want to talk about or, or want to correspond via or vis-a-vis -vis the Bader-Meinhof group, feel free to email me at richard at richardhuffman.com. And hopefully on the next podcast, some point in the next podcast or two, I'll be conducting a, a interview with my dad and possibly my mom and possibly together talking about those bombings that took place in the early 70s. Um, talking to my dad is a little bit like pulling teeth. He doesn't like to talk very much. So hopefully I can get him um, adequately uh, inspired to let us all know about his incredible time and his heroism and what went on in the early 70s. So again, thank you so much for listening. Bottom line, huh? Bottom line.